Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, everybody. I'm Deidre Tyler, host on the New Books Network. Today, we'll be talking to G.R. McAllister, author of The Five Kingdoms, Book One, Scorpio. How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you doing today? Great. I wonder if you could begin the interview by saying a few words about yourself and how you became interested in this project. Yes, I'm happy to. I have uh, published four books of historical fiction under the name Greer McAllister. And then one day I was seized with an idea that for an epic fantasy series. So it was a, a big change for me. Um, but in a way, it's a continuation of what I've been doing so far because in my historical fiction work, I'm focusing on women's stories and strong women and the place that they have in the world. So um, moving from you know 19th century America into an imaginary world is a big change, but my stories are still centered uh, in the five queendoms and this first book, uh, Scorpica, it's still centered on uh, strong women's stories. And I think anyone who's enjoyed my previous work will, will also enjoy this one. Women in charge. Why is this important in your theme today? I think it's just an interesting way of looking at things because I think you don't necessarily see um, how women are are not privileged and and allowed and and welcomed into positions of power until you look at at, at a different world where that does happen. So I think in our world. Uh, even if women are are technically eligible to be leaders in exactly the same way that men are, they are not welcomed in that world in exactly the same way men are for the most part. So I think it's really interesting to look at a world that just does things differently. Another neglected group in this area are mothers. Why do you feel that mothers should be included in this story? Well, I, uh, I myself am a mother, and I don't feel like in a lot of epic fantasy stories, um, stories of motherhood are, are necessarily included. Uh, and there's certainly uh, not just one way to be a mother, the same way that there's not just one way to be a woman or, or any other type of person. So I thought it would be really interesting to make some of my characters mothers and others not. Um, but to show that, that uh, you know, being a mother, being a woman doesn't necessarily make you gentle and nice and warm <laughs> uh, personality. Uh, any type of woman can, can be a mother and any type of mother can uh, have a place in the world. It's just some of them are forces for good and some of them are not in the world of this particular novel. Now, you didn't have any sexual violence here. Describe to the audience why you left that out. That was, again, sort of a decision based on what I've read of epic fantasy and things that I, you know, because I was entering into this genre for the first time, uh, I read really heavily uh, the other books that are out there. And I read a lot of fantasy when I was younger. I sort of drifted away from it for a number of reasons. And certainly in the past uh, seven years, as I've been writing historical fiction, I've focused on knowing that genre very well um, to, uh, you know, to exist in, in that world. But I sort of returned to reading epic fantasy uh, and it really bothered me that so often the authors were going to that well and saying, okay, well, 
not just that sexual violence is a plot device for for the story that they're writing, but so often that female characters in these stories were violated or something that happened to them in order to further the character development of a man in their lives. And so the woman was not even really an agent and the plot wasn't really, uh, didn't have an importance of her own, but really was just used as, oh, well, this happened to her and therefore this man who's the focus of the story feels X, Y, or Z. Um, and as I started writing, I said to myself, well, I, I don't have to do that. This is the beautiful thing about fantasy is it's, it can just be absolutely anything that you want it to be. And so it's not, uh, it's not a friendly world. It's a very harsh world. There's some brutal stuff that happens in here, but I wanted the reader to be able to go into it uh, the way that I was able to go into it as a writer and just say, well, we're not going to have, uh, we're not going to have that happening. There's not going to be rape in this story. There's not going to be slavery in the story there. I don't have to replicate any part of the real world that I don't want to, because this is a world that I'm making up and it's a different kind of story that I want to tell. In this world, a decade passes without a girl being born. Describe that significance. Well, it sort of stemmed from the idea, I really wanted to write a book set in a matriarchal world. So I wanted to start out with women are in charge in this world because they always have been. It's just the way that things are in this world of the five queendoms. So with women being the queens and the priests and the uh, magicians and, and having every position of power in this world, the senators and, and, and everything else, everyone in a position of power in this world is a woman, what's the worst possible thing that could happen? Which I think is a, a sort of a common thing that, that authors do when they're looking at what to do with their characters to really raise the stakes. But if you've only ever thought of a world uh, with women in charge as being the way things are, what happens if there's some chance that, that there won't be women to, uh, you know, to run things? How do you change things immediately? How do you change things in the long term? Because no one knows when the book starts how long this is going to go on. Um, and so the, the book actually covers a lot of ground year-wise over the course of you know, a year and then five and then 10 and then more, um, how things change in the five queendoms as the drought of girls continues uh, over that decade and beyond. Tell the audience a little about Warrior Queen and how she got up from her childbirth and she fought for her life in the throne. Yes, that's one of the scenes that I'm proudest of. And so I don't want to give too many spoilers away, but I will tell people if they if they want to read about it, I wrote something for Mary Robinette Powell's blog about that particular scene because I had never seen anything like it in fiction. And childbirth itself isn't really even that uh, frequently written about in epic fantasy. So I wanted to include that scene, um, obviously, because uh, girls, you know, because mothers only having sons during this drought of girls was so important, uh, childbirth itself is important in the novel. And I wanted to show this one particular uh, warrior queen who, again, it's sort of what's the worst thing that could possibly happen. She goes through this difficult birth, she unexpectedly has a daughter, and then uh, she's challenged for for the right to continue to rule. And she's in a physical low, an emotional high, 
then bad things happen. And I really, I really wanted to have just the physical and emotional uh, elements of that converge. And it makes for, for what I think is a very exciting scene. So hopefully readers agree. Tell us a little something about family within the structure of your book. Well, families, as they are in our world, families can mean uh, very uh, a lot of lot of different things. Um, in this particular book, there are some families that are families by blood. There's mothers with their daughters, mothers with their sons. Um, but there's also found families. There are groups of people who find each other and have a bond that's as strong as if they were uh, bound by blood. So there's definitely a lot of different ways to gather a family in the same way, as I mentioned before, there are a lot of different ways to be a mother. So I really wanted to show a lot of variation there. So you do have people who are very close to the people who they're bound to by blood. There are people who are, you know, who have no connection whatsoever to the people whose blood they share. And then there are people whose, you know, the emotional bond is really the key to, to their lives and to their happiness and in some cases to their safety. So I wanted to, to show that and then how people create, if they don't have those bonds, if they aren't born into those bonds, how do they create them and maintain them for themselves? Can you describe the healer a little bit to the audience? What was that all about? Yeah, so it's a character named Jehanet who, uh, Again, it is uh, sort of becomes a mother of a daughter, uh, but her daughter has a gift, and it's a gift. It's a gift that's also kind of a curse. So she's a magician in uh, the desert country of Arca, and there are different. Every woman born in Arca has a gift of some kind. So they might be able to make an apple tree grow. They might be able to find water in the desert. They might be able to. Um, boil water with their bare hands, just some kind of gift that the God has given them in order to um, make life easier for the community. Um, so most magicians have uh, a, a mildly helpful gift that's, uh, that fits into one particular category. The healer, as you mentioned, Jehanet is a healer. Um, that's the gift that she has is to heal people. And so she sort of expects that, that her daughter might have that gift as well but her daughter has the rare gift of all magic. And so she has actually a, a variety of gifts and very strong ones, uh, which is good because she's powerful, but it's bad because all such girls are taken to the palace um, and sort of placed in the, in the queen's protection, taken away from their families, uh, generally never to return. So she's afraid of what will happen because she has a daughter who has that gift of all magic. And so she takes some steps to keep her safe because that's the most important thing to her is protect, protecting her daughter's safety. Now, vulnerability is one theme in your book. Describe to the audience a little something that will make them want to read about this vulnerability. Yes, I think that's that's great. So uh, when I mentioned in the beginning that I write about strong women, strong women doesn't necessarily mean oh they're warriors, oh they're you know always confident, they're always leaders, they're you know always uh, in charge of their their emotions and their bodies and everything else. I really think that strength takes a huge number of different forms, and I feel like 
readers engage with characters more and I engage with characters more as a reader if they do have some element of vulnerability to them you know how how can they be hurt how what sort of softness are they protecting whether that's something in their own personality or as I mentioned with Jehenna it's her daughter her vulnerability is is her daughter um is somebody that she's you know willing to do absolutely anything for uh, some of them trust too much some of them uh don't take action when they should like they can be strong women even if they have weaknesses even if they have vulnerabilities even if they have challenges as we all do what do you hope to add to this epic fantasy with this new book well, i really think it's interesting to read something set in a matriarchal world as i said because it sort of points up um how our world is not embracing of female power in the same way and to show there are many different ways for women to wield power both in good ways and not necessarily good ways um and the world of epic fantasy has gotten much larger than it was in the past you know it's not just lord of the rings tolkien you know man on a quest meet some elves and dwarves uh sort of the the stuff that it used to be there are amazing um books in speculative fiction both sci-fi and fantasy that are more welcoming to other types of people written by other types of people uh and so i want to be in that conversation uh there are a lot of other books um not a lot of other books there are other books with matriarchal worlds and they tend to be uh for some good reasons and some not so good reasons but they tend to be either um utopias like oh the women are in charge and now everything is great or dystopias oh the women are in charge and now everything's even worse than it ever was and i just wanted a world to be in that conversation that isn't one or the other it's just it's a world of women because it always has been and some of those women wield that power justly and righteously uh and warmly and some of them don't so i wanted to contribute that to the conversation um i'm hoping that in the world as as the years roll on that we see more matriarchies in fiction because i think it is a very interesting topic and i i want to see more variation i want to see all the different ways um that women can wield power in other people's books as well as as my own series well we've taken up enough of your time we want to know about book 2 can you give us a sneak peek of what to expect I can just a little bit not too much and again I don't want to give too many spoilers for those who haven't read Scorpica yet but the story does continue it picks up right where it leaves off at the end of uh book 1 and there is a particular character who disappears pretty early on in book 1 who people have been asking and asking and asking well what happens to her what happens to her um and I can report that she does have a major role in book 2 so people's curiosity will be satisfied uh, on that particular front well thank you so much for being on our show we can't wait for book 2 thanks i appreciate it thank you